You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie. Hi everyone. Tonight uh, we're going to be reading from Acts, continuing the story of Paul. So you can have a look in the Pew Bibles or on whatever app you choose to use. And we'll be looking at Acts 22, verse 30, and through to 23, verse 11. I'll give you a chance to find that if you like to. The commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, my brothers, I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the, bar the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Okay, interesting passage that we have tonight as part of our Church on Mission series. What we're doing in this series is looking at the book of Acts, which tells the story of the early church. So this is just after Jesus' resurrection, and his followers have been getting around, sharing the good news, and they've been getting this whole church thing started. And so what we've been trying to do in this series is look at what happened 2,000 years ago, look at the beginning of the church, and see what we can learn for us continuing the same mission in our own context here uh, in this part of Melbourne, in this part of history. So what can we learn from something like this is what we're going to be focusing on tonight. Our main character in today's story is Paul. Paul's an interesting guy because he's not always loved Jesus and he's not always been a fan of Christians. 
Uh, when we first introduced him into the, in the Bible, he's very much not a fan of Christians. In fact, it seems to have made his own mission, uh, seems to be to go out and kill and beat up and imprison people who follow Jesus and people who believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And so he's so committed to this mission that he's not just doing it in the city of Jerusalem where uh, he was living. He decides, I'm going to head out to other cities and make sure Christians shut up and be locked up over there as well. So he heads off to a city called Damascus, but on the way, he encounters Jesus. Jesus turns his life around, and Paul becomes one of the most outspoken uh, fans of Jesus, one of the, the biggest sharers of the good news that has ever lived. And so Paul heads around to a whole bunch of different churches, uh, different countries, sharing the good news of Jesus. He does that for years and years. And as we pick up the story in 20, chapter 23 right here, he's come full circle back to Jerusalem where he'd been causing all the problems for Christians in the first place. So he, he's kind of helped make Jerusalem a dangerous place for Christians. And now, as a, as a Christian himself, He's re-entering that danger zone and facing all the problems that he created when he, uh, before he left. The Jews, uh, the local Jewish people, the r- religious Jews, they are not happy to see Paul. Uh, he's got a reputation for talking about Jesus and talking about Jesus' resurrection, and they're not happy to hear him. They're not fans, and they want to shut him down. And so it starts to create... Quite a ruckus in the city, starts to create a bit of a stir. And the Romans, who are the ruling government, they don't really understand what's going on. They know that the Jews don't like Paul and that there's a difference between the Jewish believers and these new Jewish believers who are following Jesus. But they just can't work it out. And so what this story is, is one of the Roman governors having a bright idea. Going, do you know what? So that I can learn what's going on here... I'm going to call a meeting of the Sanhedrin. This is an assembly of senior Jewish religious leaders. I'm going to get them all together in the one room and I'm going to put Paul up in front of them and then I'm going to watch and listen to what they do and by the end I'll know what all the fuss is about and I'll have worked it out. So this is his bright idea and it's a a bad idea. It doesn't work very well. So um, Paul gets up in front of this Uh, meeting and speaks first. Now, who's heard the phrase, it's on like Donkey Kong? Has anyone heard this? Keep your hand up if you know what it means. Okay, so we've got a slightly higher percentage tonight than we did in the morning. (laughs) No surprises there. So here's what it's on like Donkey Kong means. It means a fight is about to begin and it's on like People are really into this fight. Maybe it's a fist fight. Maybe it's a sporting contest. Maybe it's just a a verbal argument. But if people are ready to face off and they're ready to clash, then it's on like Donkey Kong. Okay, you are free to use that phrase. I didn't create it. It was the rapper Ice Cube, uh, who's tried to distance himself from it since then. He doesn't think it's that cool. Uh, But (laughs) there we go. So when Paul stands up, let's have a look at verse 1 of chapter 23. He stands up and he says, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience this day. So this is Paul standing up in front of a group of people who hate his guts and him saying, I've done nothing wrong and 
God's going to back me up on that. When he does that, he's picked a fight and it's on like Donkey Kong. And so much to the point that the high priest orders the person standing next to Paul to punch him in the face. So the first blow is like a verbal blow by Paul, you know, sort of striking out and going, hey, I, I, we're starting a fight here. And then the second blow is a physical one back in Paul's face. And then Paul comes back at them again in verse 3. And uh, if, if it's on like Donkey Kong is modern day slang, he uses some ancient 2,000 year old slang where he says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Anyone been called a whitewashed wall this year? Anyone? What's it mean? Okay, so ancient slang, whitewashed wall means you are a hypocrite. So if someone calls you a whitewashed wall, they're saying, you claim to be one thing, but you are very much something else. You claim to value this, but when I look at your actions, you clearly value something else. So he's calling this, uh, this guy a hypocrite. And then he says, you sit there to judge me according to the law. This is their sort of Jewish religious customs. Yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. So he correctly points out the hypocrisy of someone punching another believer in a religious assembly. However, he's also mistaken and he also hasn't quite got it right because he didn't realize that the person he's sledging and calling a whitewashed wall is actually the high priest who's in charge of the meeting and there's another custom or law that they have in the assembly and that is that you don't sledge the person running the meeting. So as much as Paul's called the high priest a hypocrite, he also acknowledges, without apologizing, but does acknowledge that he's been a bit of a hypocrite himself in speaking to the, great, uh, the high priest like that. Okay, so it's on like Donkey Kong in this meeting. What am I doing now? I am stirring the pot, an essential skill in cooking, but also uh, a phrase that we would use to say that somebody's trying to stir up a bit of a fight. They're trying to get an argument going. Maybe there's a little bit of an argument there, but I'm going to stir the pot and make sure this thing really goes off, right? So this is what Paul starts to do as the meeting goes on because he realizes there's two groups of people, like two factions in the assembly. There's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're both religious Jews. They both believe in the Old Testament. They're followers of the Old Covenant, but they have some disagreement on how on their theology, and they don't agree on everything. In particular, they have a difference on the topic of resurrection. So, Pharisees believe, much as we do as Christians believe, that when your body, this body you're in now, dies, that that is not the end of your existence, and that at some point in the future, God is going to raise people again. He's going to give us a new body, and there's going to be life after death. Um, that doesn't mean they believed that Jesus himself rose it, rose from the dead. The people in this assembly did not believe that. Paul might have been the only one. But they definitely believed in, the, in resurrection, that resurrection was a thing. The Sadducees did not. The Sadducees are kind of the opposite to what I reckon the average Australian is. So sometimes we might refer to the average Australian as spiritual but not religious. So in that sense that most Australians are not hardcore atheists. Most Australians are open to the possibility that God exists. They're open to some spiritual parts of their life um, and, and part of human existence. But as soon as we get into the real religious stuff, if we get a bit too churchy, 
you know, bells and smells and candles and robes and, and that sort of stuff, then Australians start to go, oh, I'm not so sure about that sort of stuff. So a lot of people in Australia are spiritual but not religious. Sadducees are kind of the opposite. They love the religious stuff. They love all the dressing up and all the religious customs and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to the spiritual things, like that God might do a miracle, like raise someone from the dead, they weren't down with that, not interested. So you've got the Pharisees who really do believe that in resurrection, and then you've got the Sadducees that don't. And Paul knows this, right? Because he's been a Pharisee growing up. And so what he does is he just stirs the pot, something incredible, by siding with the Pharisees. It's like he walks into the middle of the meeting and just presses a big red button that blows the whole thing up. He says, I'm a Pharisee because I believe in resurrection and what's more, I'm on trial here because I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so he picks like the hot topic, like the one that he knows is going to set people off and this huge brawl begins between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so... Some people start to go with Paul, you know, and say, oh, maybe we should listen to him, maybe he's all right. But it seems to be more just they're trying to score points against each other. And it gets, gets violent and more and more violent to the point where Paul has to be dragged out of there by the Romans because they're worried that he's going to be torn to pieces. So it must be really intense uh, atmosphere in the room there. So what Paul does is he goes into that assembly with the possibility that he might have, by the end of the assembly, been charged with a crime. And the Romans might have charged him with something, possibly locking him up, possibly even executing him. But by the end of the assembly, when it's all fallen apart, no, no charges have been laid. And the Roman governor is hoping to work out exactly what's going on. They're still in the, I don't know, these guys are crazy <laughs> mode. Uh, so he hasn't really achieved what he was hoping for. So we look at a story like this from 2,000 years ago. It's a true story. It actually happened. And then we think about our life today, and the application is just so obvious, I'm just going to sit down and leave it to you. Good night, everybody. <laughs> now, it, it's a, it's, look, sometimes when we read the Bible, it's really easy to work out what we need to do. Some bits of the Bible is just like, yep, I read that, and I know how I need to respond. Other parts are not as straightforward as that. And so this is one of those where we're just reading something that happened. This is written down primarily because it's an eyewitness account of something that actually happened. So what can we learn from this crazy, violent, intense meeting that Paul found himself in? One thing I want to point out here is that Paul is not Jesus. When we read about Jesus in the Bible and we see Jesus do something, because Jesus is God in human form. So Jesus is God. When we look at what Jesus does, it's right to think that was the right thing that Jesus did. What Jesus did or said there was a good thing to do. For every other person in the Bible, we should not automatically draw that conclusion because all the other people are like you and me, flawed human beings, sometimes doing a good thing and sometimes something we should be copying but not always. Paul would point this out to us himself in his own writing. He says, I'm not perfect, I do do the wrong thing. So we don't just look at Paul's 
decisions and Paul's actions here and go, that's exactly what we need to do today. That's not a fair conclusion to draw. We should ask if we should do it today, but we shouldn't definitely do it. We've got to remember that Paul's kind of in self-preservation mode. He's hoping not to get executed at the end of the meeting. He's just been punched in the face. Um, maybe he's, he might just be thinking on his feet here and just trying to make things happen. Um, it's not necessarily we go, this is a great missional strategy. If we want to share the good news about Jesus, let's just do what he did uh, in this passage. Verse 11 is really helpful with this. Have a look at verse 11 with me. Jesus appears to him the following night and speaks to him. He says, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, when you testify, when a Christian testifies, they are telling people the story of Jesus' work in their life. So if you go back through Acts, Paul does this multiple times. He tells people about Jesus in Jerusalem and then Jesus says, so you must also testify in Rome, which is where they take him to next. So Jesus has been pretty encouraging of Paul here and he's giving him a big tick for sharing his testimony, for telling people about Jesus. So we can look at Paul and we can see Jesus' response to it and go, you know what? Sharing your story. If you're a follower of Jesus, telling your story is something that God wants us to do. That's an excellent conclusion. Um, some of you find that easy. Some of you find that more challenging. Um, but that is something we should all be prepared to do. What Jesus doesn't say is, by the way, I also love that sledge you did to the high priest and well done on starting a massive punch on. It's not part of the congratulations. That's not part of the encouragement. So when we look at how Jesus responds to this, big tick for Paul speaking about the resurrection of Jesus, sharing his story about Jesus, but we're not necessarily going to say the whole fight thing was a good idea. Okay, well... What place does arguing with people have? Like, is there ever a time where we would pick a fight? You know, should we be like um, a stand-up comedian or one of these YouTube personalities like Stephen Crowder who get in front of a camera or stand up on a stage and in a witty sort of entertaining way take down somebody who disagrees with them? You know, we see, see comedians do this all the time. They just pick an issue and then they just tear apart the people who disagree with them on that issue. Now, if you're on the side of the person who's doing that, that can feel pretty good. Like if they agree with you and then some smart, entertaining person does an awesome takedown of the other person's argument, then we can kind of go, yeah, that was awesome. I love that. I love that video. I love that comedian. Um, but let's have a think about that. Is that really helping people long term? Is that sort of engaging with each other? Is that sort of arguing? Is that sort of fight really helping our society long term? Are people becoming Christians because of an entertaining, witty takedown by somebody on YouTube? So we've got this challenge in our society at the moment where we're not very good at, dis at disagreeing with each other. And we're terrible at learning from each other in an argument. I was talking to a mate just last week. And he said one of his friends got on Facebook just in the lead up to the last election. And their friend posted to all their, their Facebook friends that um, if you vote for this particular company, uh, sorry, party, political party, I can't remember which one it was, but one of the two big ones. So if you vote for them, 
you need to unfriend me from Facebook immediately. Now, if you don't use Facebook, that basically means you're cut off. There's no more relationship going on there. That, this person was not interested in even engaging with someone who believed differently or thought differently to them. So there was never going to be any sort of helpful interaction where both people learned anything. Uh, that was not going to be the case. What happens in our society at the moment is we win the fight, but we lose the person. So we win the fight, but we lose the person or the relationship is gone. So this is the sort of society we're in where, okay, we're not fighting very well, we're not disagreeing very well with each other, we're not arguing very well. It's not often violent as far as physical blows, but it is often very violent verbally or keyboard warrior sort of fighting. So we need to consider that situation that we're in and have a think through it. One thing that Peter, one of Jesus' key followers, emphasises is that when we're speaking with people who disagree with us, when they're questioning what we believe, that we should always be ready to answer them. But we need to do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. I reckon he wrote that because that's what he saw Jesus do. He saw Jesus engage with people with gentleness and respect. Jesus never shut up about what he believed. He always was prepared to share his, what he believed. He was always prepared to challenge somebody else's belief, but he did it with gentleness and respect. And so that's what we're instructed to do as well. Now, there's a big lack of gentleness and respect in the way we disagree with each other in our culture, and it's a really great way that Christians can be different and we can bring a point of difference that people will notice and appreciate. Now, of course, we come back to Paul, though, and we go, he didn't use a whole lot of gentleness and respect in that meeting. What's the deal? Like, why was the dynamic different there? Well, partly, again, we're not just saying that Paul always did the right thing. So maybe he could have been more gentle and more respectful in the way he went about it, and maybe he would have admitted that himself. But there is one area where Jesus did really like to challenge people and get in people's face. And that was in the area of religious hypocrisy. This is when somebody who believed the same as him, was the same religion as him, which in that day was, was Judaism, because um, Christianity sort of didn't really start until Jesus rose from the dead. But if he saw a person who claimed to believe the same thing as him, living in a way that was really different, you know, claiming to care for the poor but then being greedy and selfish, um, claiming to be humble but instead pumping themselves up and seeking power and all this sort of stuff, then he really did challenge them firmly, much more firmly and in a much more heated way than he would if it was somebody who believed something very different to him. We actually see this from Jesus and from Paul too. When Paul was speaking to non-Jews, he seemed to be way more chilled He'd be more of a listener, he'd be more of an observer, he'd be asking them questions about what was going on. But if he saw someone being a hypocrite, he just got right up and started to challenge them. I listened to a guy called Peter Adam just last week. Peter's been a leader in the church in Melbourne for decades. And he was sort of reflecting on his time in leadership and he said, you know, there's one thing we're not very good at in the Australian church. Well, there's plenty that we're not good at, but here's one particular thing. 
And that is that we're not very good at admonishing one another. This is a command in the New Testament that we should admonish one another. That means to lovingly warn another person. If you see something in a fellow believer's life that looks problematic, it's good to admonish them to help them to fix that issue up. He said, we're just not very good at it. I don't think we're very good at it at our church, to be honest. I think St. John's not awesome at admonishing one another. There's some good moments. I've been admonished by some of you, and you've done it really well, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, but often, I, I just fear we fall back on gossip and holding grudges and trying to forget about it, even though it's a big problem. So we are encouraged to challenge each other. We're not challenged to get out there on the street. Everyone's going to be a hypocrite in some area and just find someone who's a hypocrite somewhere and then challenge them. But amongst fellow believers, that's something that we should be seeking to do and seeking to do it as well as possible. Now, here's the thing. If you're prepared to challenge somebody else's hypocrisy, you need to be prepared to receive it back the other way. So that's a good little check to see if you're ready to do it or not. So perhaps one of the explanations for Paul being a bit fighty here and a bit sort of, you know, sort of more aggressive than he would be in other areas is that he's just concerned that there's a whole lot of hypocrisy going on amongst these people who would claim to believe the same things as him. So let's do a bit of a conclusion here. The scenario we've read today is not an ideal situation. We should not be reading this and going, do you know what? The key to good mission, the key to sharing the good news about Jesus is to start punch-ons in big meetings. If we can get people trying to tear each other to pieces, then God will just love what we're doing. No, that's just not, not a great conclusion. We can come to the conclusion that Jesus loves us, loves it when we tell our story. And that when we do that, even when the people who are listening to it may not be very positive about what we're saying or may get angry about what we're saying. Again, we don't really receive much violence for being Christians. In Melbourne, hardly any, I would say. But we can be heavily criticised and teased and bullied and so on. Now, for those of you who are a bit older, you should understand just how difficult it is for high school students to talk about their faith these days. It's very challenging. And it's not received well very often in high schools and in universities as well. So it can be hard, but Jesus loves it when we do it. Loves it. And then when it comes to really things getting heated and really sort of challenging and, and whether we would prepare, be prepared to get into a fight, it seems like when we zoom out and we look the way Jesus went about it, uh, not a fight as in punching each other, but just a bit of an argument, um, then it seems like that's something we primarily want to do between fellow believers when we're challenging each other's hypocrisy. So what I want to do to finish my talk tonight and to finish our service is just to lead us through a bit of guided prayer. There's going to be quite a lot of space for you to pray and just talk to God about this stuff yourself. Um, I encourage you to just be really honest with yourself and with God right now. I'm aware that um, some of you here tonight, you won't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. You're checking this out, or you've been dragged along here by a friend or a family member. It is great to have you with us. Um, it's really cool. We hope that the thing that you'll hear the most from us tonight is how great we think Jesus is and how great his love for us is. And we do hope that you'll be open to the opportunity of starting that relationship with Jesus yourself. And I also just wanted to 
apologise to you if you're not a follower of Jesus but you have been treated badly by Christians who were too aggressive and we're just sort of judgmental or harsh towards you. That's not primarily what we're about. We do want to stick up for our beliefs, so we don't want to just be a, a, a doormat and just roll over or shut up, but we don't want to just be getting in there and, and treating people in harsh ways. So let's say some prayers, and I'll just, I'll just guide us through and just use the silence as an opportunity to speak to God about what we've been looking at tonight. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the way he lived and the example he set for us. The sacrificial death that he died and his resurrection that means we can be in relationship with you today and that we can receive so many good things from you in our lives. Right now we just bring before you the moments uh, where there's been some tension in a conversation or in a relationship because one of the people believes in Jesus. And we just ask that you help us to navigate those situations and those relationships in a really wise, helpful way. So we ask that, Lord, please, please bring those situations to mind now and give us some insight into how to handle them. Lord, we also ask that uh, you forgive us for the times where we have tried to win the fight instead of loving the person. You might have a few moments in your own mind, in your own life, well, that's been the situation just say sorry to God for that now knowing that we are forgiven Lord we also say sorry for the times where we've seen someone else win the fight without loving the person and enjoyed watching lastly Lord we pray for courage for everyone here who is a follower of you, I pray that you would give us the courage that we need to share the good news about Jesus with the people around us, in our families, in our workplaces, in our places of study, in our friendship circles. Help us to share Jesus as best we can and in a way that leads those people towards you. You might want to think of some people in your life right now that you would love to share your faith with. Pray for them. Pray that God would bless them and open up their hearts to receive the message. I pray this, Lord, for us as individuals but also for us as a church. Please grow us in our local mission. Help us to share the good news of the resurrection of Jesus together in what we do now and into the future.
I'm going to finish our service tonight with these words that Christians have been praying through for a long time. If you agree with them at the end, please say Amen. On the next slide, there's two slides. Go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faith of the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Give honour to all. Love and serve the Lord. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 